sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday. The theme of Tuesday's show, unfortunately, was the aftermath and any update we could provide surrounding the condition of DeMar Hamlin, the second year safety for the Buffalo Bills who've collapsed onto the turf in Cincinnati in that horrifying scene from Monday night football between the Bengals and the Bills. We will continue to update his status and where the progress has been at UC Medical Center in Cincinnati in the outpouring of support in the NFL community around the sports world and really everybody involved in this story. We'll go around the association on this Wednesday live right here on TMA as well. We'll check in on college basketball. A new PGA Tour season debuts tomorrow at Kapalua in Hawaii. All of that and more over the next two hours live right here on this Wednesday morning on TMA. We bring you up until 11 a.m. Eastern time. And as I mentioned, we start with an update to DeMar Hamlin's status. This was released by the Buffalo Bills yesterday afternoon on a Tuesday around 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. The Buffalo Bills saying, quote, DeMar Hamlin spent last night in the intensive care unit and remains there today in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. We are grateful and thankful for the outpouring of support we have received this fall. So that status update came around 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. About six hours after that, we heard from DeMar Hamlin's uncle. Dorian Glenn is his name. He spoke with various reporters outside the UC Medical Center and provided this information to the NFL Network's Cameron Wolf, who said, I just spoke with Dorian Glenn, DeMar Hamlin's uncle, who said his nephew is on a ventilator, but he's improved to 50% oxygen needed after being at 100%. He's still sedated, but the main focus is recovering to breathe on his own and healing lungs. That goes hand in hand with what Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc, told us yesterday, providing some of that necessary and welcome context and perspective and information following DeMar Hamlin's collapse on the turf in Cincinnati on Monday night. When you're intubated, when you're sedated, it is a scary scene. And right now that is still the case for DeMar Hamlin. But that update from his uncle Dorian Glenn last night at least gives us a glimpse of optimism that progress is being made. We also heard from DeMar's family yesterday releasing this statement in the afternoon hours. From the family of DeMar Hamlin, quote, on behalf of our family, we want to express our sincere gratitude for the love and support shown to DeMar during this challenging time. We are deeply moved by the prayers, kind words, and donations from fans around the country. We also want to acknowledge the dedicated first responders and healthcare professionals at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center who have provided exceptional care to DeMar. We feel so blessed to be a part of the Buffalo Bills organization and to have their support. We also want to thank Coach Taylor and the Bengals for everything they've done. Your generosity and compassion mean the world to us. Please keep DeMar in your prayers. We will release updates as soon as we have them and we saw that outpouring of support to demar hamlin to his family to his chasing m's foundation that at last check yesterday night had received well over five and a half million dollars a toy drink go toy drive excuse me 
GoFundMe link that he started upon graduation from the University of Pittsburgh in 2020 to make an impact in his hometown, that community, the greater Pittsburgh metropolitan area. And we can see all the love and support coming for DeMar Hamlin. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. The opening hour of a Wednesday, live right here on the morning after. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. We start off this show by continuing to provide the updates as we have them surrounding DeMar Hamlin's condition, the second year safety for the Buffalo Bills, a 2021 sixth round NFL draft pick out of the University of Pittsburgh. He is from McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. It is an area in the greater Pittsburgh metropolitan area. He stayed at Pitt, as we mentioned yesterday, despite being the highest ranked defensive recruit in the Commonwealth when he had offers from bigger programs, frankly, like Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State. He decided to stay at Pittsburgh, knowing how much that community meant to him. In that community, we heard from Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. Most clubs around the National Football League canceled media availability, all dealing with the idea of coping with a terrifying scene throughout the Monday night football game in Cincinnati. But Mike Tomlin wanted to speak on DeMar Hamlin a man that he has known for quite some time, saying, quote, it's really personal for me being a Pittsburgher. I've known that guy since he was 12. Got a lot of respect and love for him as a human being. Got a lot of love for him. Reached out to Sean McDermott if there was anything I could do. Mike Tomlin is as stoic as he gets in his press conference. You could see the emotion in his face as he spoke on DeMar Hamlin's situation and the character of the individual that he has known for some time. Following all of that, as we look to move forward in the National Football League, the league office released this statement yesterday. The NFL, the NFL continues to be in regular contact with the medical team caring for DeMar Hamlin and also the Bills and Bengals organizations in the NFL Players Association. After speaking with both teams and NFLPA leadership, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell informed the clubs today that the Bills-Bengals game will not be resumed this week. The NFL has made no decision regarding the resumption of that game at a later date. The league has not made any changes to the week 18 regular season schedule. We will continue to provide additional information as it becomes available. So as of right now, the regular season finale in the National Football League, week number 18, the weekend slate we have ahead is on as scheduled. We'll look at that week 18 slate up next year, live on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on a Wednesday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. As we just showed you, to end out that opening segment, the National Football League releasing a statement yesterday that first and foremost, the Bengals and Bill Ga Bills game will not be resumed at any point this week. And no determination has been made for the future resumption of that football game. But also in that statement, as of this moment, Week 18 is scheduled to continue as it was regularly scheduled. So we will look at the regular season finale in the National Football League. Two games upcoming on Saturday afternoon into the evening hours in a full Sunday slate. 
with playoff implications across the entirety of the National Football League. So helping us look at those early lines, it is Joe Ranieri, the hardest working man in showbiz, on the early line earlier this Wednesday morning, now joins us here on a Wednesday on the morning after. JR, tons of clinching scenarios around the league that we need to focus on, and of course, the motivation that will affect our handicaps for week number 18. Good to see you. Been a happy uh, new year, uh, my friend. And it's, uh, yeah, we're in the stretch. Uh, didn't think we would, it feels like just yesterday we were talking about, uh, you know, week one, week two, opening month. And now it's, uh, the season is uh, coming to a close and a whole lot of playoff scenarios still to be uh, decided here in this week 18, which ultimately we all benefit from, don't we? Certainly so. JR, because of the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals game being a little bit up in the air at the moment, and rightfully so, surrounding DeMar Hamlin and the update on his condition, a lot of the AFC markets right now and some of those games for Week 18 that affect the Wilder chase, not available on the FanDuel Sportsbook due to that uncertainty. But one thing we do know on Saturday night in Jacksonville, Florida, the AFC South Divisional Crown is on the line between the Jaguars and the Titans. Whoever wins this football game clinches the divisional title and is in to the postseason, hosting a playoff game come two weeks from now. As the line currently stands, Joe, the Jaguars, a six and a half point favorite against the Titans. Jacksonville has won four straight. The Titans on the other side of that equation. They have dropped six in a row. So we see what the line says, Joe. Six and a half, nearly a touchdown mm -hmm. in favor of the Jags. What do you think that spread signifies about the outcome of this football game? Well, it, it's it's interesting because it did open at uh, seven in, uh, in a number of spots, but uh, it has since dropped below that key number of seven here, Ben. And it looks like Dobbs is going to get a second shot under center uh, for Tennessee. It's kind of hard to believe. Like It feels like if it could have gone wrong, it went wrong for Tennessee in the latter half of this, uh, the second half of the season. And now they still have an opportunity to do the unthinkable. That is beat Jacksonville and actually still make the playoffs and take down uh, the division. This is the biggest game uh, the Jaguars have seen since the 2017, I think, season it was, 17, 18, uh, with, uh, with a dude named Gabbert, if you remember that. Oh, God, that was, yeah. that was disgusting on so many levels. But, hey, it's a new era for Jacksonville. The one thing we know for sure here is that uh, Mike Vrabel, a head coach of the Tennessee Titans, he would love nothing more than to prolong the, uh, you know, this run of the Jaguars uh, to being this team that has to contend at the top of the division. Dobbs showed them a little something last week. Uh, obviously a better choice than anything Malik Willis could bring to the table. Jacksonville is rolling. Uh, that is a tough train to step in front of. But as we yeah. have seen, Mike Vrabel, that coaching staff, they create situations that put their players in a position to succeed. Uh, boy, oh boy, Jacksonville's going to have to grow up in a hurry. Tennessee's been there, done this. Six and a half is right. a big number in a winner-take-all spot with a coach and a team that's got way more experience uh, than that group on the other sideline. 
Tennessee won the division last year, was the number one overall seed in the AFC postseason picture. This Titans team two years ago made it to the AFC championship game, but that was with Ryan Tannehill. You speak of the situation, Vrabel rested most of his significant starters in week number 17 in that Thursday night football game to be ready for this winner-take-all game on Saturday night. Joe, these two teams met a month ago, a very critical juncture of this season for both organizations. Jacksonville went into Nashville, won by two touchdowns as a three-point underdog. It set this four-game win streak in motion. Entering week number 14, the Jaguars were 10-1 to to win the AFC yeah. South division. Just two weeks ago, 120, as they started to encroach on Tennessee. There's no divisional odds up at this moment, but the money line price is minus 270. And again, it's a winner-take-all game for the AFC South Division in Jacksonville on Saturday night. You mentioned they're young and experienced. Doug Peterson, obviously, has the postseason mm-hmm. experience. Trevor Lawrence does not. What is your confidence level, JR, in Jacksonville entering Week 18? Well, you know, I love it because uh, we know winning is contagious, is it not? And listen, I have, uh, I was the one uh, that sat here with our good friend Scotty Wetzel and he laughed at me because I said, Jags are going to win this division, bet it now. When we were talking about, uh, you know, betting tickets early on in the future, everyone loved Indy and I said, Jacksonville, if Peterson has the kind of effect I think he's going to have on him, then we're looking at the next great team in that division in the AFC. And sure enough, here we are with an opportunity to do just that, Ben. Take down the division and make a run in the playoffs. And if they handle their business at home here, um, who exactly wants to play this Jacksonville team who's gaining more and more confidence? And they got real players on that team, both on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball. And you nailed it with a head coach. That has won it all. He's got the ring on his finger. He knows what he's doing. He knows the right buttons to push. Love what Jacksonville brings to the table. But, like I said, they're going to have to grow up and earn it this week here at home against Tennessee. The winner of this game will be the four seed in the AFC playoffs. They will host that opening round Mm -hmm. of the NFL postseason coming up in just a few weeks. Sunday night football at Lambeau Field. The final game of the 2022 NFL regular season. Win and you're in for the Green Bay Packers. A four and a half point favorite against their divisional rival in the Detroit Lions. We know what is at stake in this game, Joe Ranieri. You look at that four and a half point spread in favor of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. How do you think both of these teams match up at this current moment entering the regular season finale? Well, one team is rolling, uh, let's face it. The other team has had certainly some peaks and valleys here. Uh, They started off slow. Uh, They endeared everybody because of the whole, uh, you know, show on HBO and Hard Knocks. Uh, And yet they have put together quite a stretch run here. And uh, they are still alive. Uh, But it's got to start with them Mm -hmm. beating Green Bay. So really another kind of winner-take-all situation. Green Bay, you win, you're in. Detroit... You win, you get a little help, voila, you are there. So huge game, Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff, Ben. Let me repeat that, guys. Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff. Oh, yeah, outdoors at Lambeau. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers in this one, Ben. (laughs) Joe, they call it the frozen tundra 
for a reason. <laughs> when they first met yes. this year, the Lions and the Packers, it was the first Sunday of November. Again, a critical juncture of the season for both. Yep. It snapped a five-game skid for Detroit. They have now won seven of their next nine games. It was the middle of a five-game losing skid for the Green yep. Bay Packers, and this was their season low. They go to Detroit. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Everybody expected a turnaround. It didn't happen. But we can mm -hmm. see where Green Bay is now riding this four-game win streak. 75-1 to one to win the NFC entering week 15, entering this regular season finale. Now the fifth-best price, 14-1. to one in the conference we'll look at some more divisional matchups and some more regular season finales from the nfc up next live right here on a wednesday all after with joe ranieri sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com So as of the latest update that we received from the NFL yesterday afternoon, week 18 is on as scheduled for the final weekend of this regular season in 2022 in the National Football League. We looked at Sunday Night Football, the true regular season finale, the last game between the Lions and the Packers. Joe, when you look at motivation, if Green Bay wins, they're in. It's very simple. Detroit needs Seattle to lose and then the Lions to beat the Packers for Detroit to go to the postseason in the second year mm -hmm. under Dan Campbell. But the Seahawks play in the late afternoon portion Sunday slate, a 425 p.m. Eastern time kick before Sunday night football. The Seahawks are at home, a near touchdown favorite against the L.A. Rams. It's a weird catch-22, Joe. If Seattle beats L.A., just wins outright, that eliminates Detroit, but they would need the Lions <laughs> to then knock off the Packers so Geno Smith and the Seahawks can punch their postseason ticket. So it's a must-win game for Seattle, Joe, but I think an interesting part of this conversation, certainly from the betting perspective, is, yes, it's a must-win game, but they're a near-touchdown favorite. So how do you take the must-win into covering a number as well? It's uh, it's a tough spot, and that's why you know the NFL has has been doing this on purpose. These these last week, last couple of week um, scheduling where it's division rivals. Let's face it, right? No matter who's in, who's out, the chance of one divisional rival laying down for another is slim uh, to none. And we're not exactly talking about. A, uh, a monster Seattle uh, team here, guys. Eight and eight they are going up against what? A five and 11, the champs. Uh, they're defending champs one way or the other. And they also happen to have a quarterback who is fighting for his career right now. And what better way to almost guarantee, Ben, not only a starting job next year, but also a very lucrative contract from a number of teams and offers from teams that are going to need a veteran quarterback uh, for their uh, franchise over the next couple of years. Baker Mayfield, to me, I think is the key to this game. Uh, if he comes out and plays motivated, they were never going to beat the Chargers. It was a terrible matchup from the get-go last week. But what we have seen from the Rams is they still have some pieces to be very dangerous. Yep. And, oh, yeah, I got it. You beat the Jets, Seattle. 
but slow your roll. It's not like this defense all of a sudden woke up and figured some things out. They are absolutely still susceptible to what? The run. Cam Akers and company uh, can have absolute success against this team. And Baker, if he shows up and he balls out in a big game and he is able to pull off this win, um, I don't know that there's a better redemption story this year than a guy that was tossed to the heap there, Ben, and then traded as a yep. joke, like, get him out of here. And, oh, yeah, look at that. Um, he's with the Rams, uh, the defending champs, and he's winning games against teams that need and have to win. Uh, would be a fantastic story. Not sold on Seattle here. Either Baker Mayfield with the Rams moving forward or another NFL organization. A debut of sorts, a final preview of what Baker Mayfield can yep. do. And Joe, that's a part of motivation as well. The team perspective, trying to clinch a postseason yep. berth, but also individuals thinking about their future playing career. There's contract incentives on the line for week 18 as well. So if the Seahawks do lose and are upset by the Rams, it would make the final game of the regular season. Green Bay, Detroit, at Lambeau, winner take all for the seventh and final NFC playoff spot. The Philly Eagles, Joe, have lost two straight football games without Jalen Hurts. Mm. The early reports indicate that Jalen Hurts is expected to be back for the regular season finale at home against the New York Giants. I think we see that reflected in the line. The Giants have already clinched their first playoff berth since 2016. They can't really move their seating all that much, so they don't have all that motivation for this game as well. It's a 14-point spread, Joe, in favor of the Birds. They need this win to clinch the NFC East and the NFC's number one overall seed. 14 points, Joe, says that Philly should easily win this game outright. Is it as much of a lock as that two-touchdown spread would indicate? Absolutely not. I mean, listen, Ben, if we've learned anything, I don't care. Yes, the game means nothing to New York, but every game means something to you had mentioned it, the players that are going to be playing in that game. I don't see why Dable would want to roll over and just hand the Philadelphia Eagles an easy victory, give them the number one seed in the bye, and don't worry, you can repay us when we meet you in the playoffs? Like, what are you, out of your mind? I don't see that happening. I wouldn't lay 14 points with the Eagles at any point this year. We have seen them, A, get ahead early in games, Ben, and then coast in the second half, leaving the back door wide open for teams uh, to win. The games they're supposed to win <clears throat> last week, um, oh, yeah, uh, Houston, they have had a hard time covering that kind of number. And you've got a quarterback that hasn't played in how long now? They've missed the last two games. Uh, don't know what we're going to get from him uh, when he does play against a division rival that somehow everyone thinks is just going to roll over. Dable's just going to, oh, no, we don't want to. We don't want these guys. We'll just let you win it. No, they're not. I think the Giants are going to be a giant pain uh, to this team. That's who Dable is. And, oh, yeah, uh, I want nothing to do with having to sweat out a two-touchdown lead in the, in the uh, second half of that game. I would only look first half in this game if you are you think uh, the edge is with the Eagles better in the first half, but otherwise I'll take the 14 points with the Giants all day in the full game. The big spread birds, big spread Brock as well. Brock Purdy in the regular season finale for mm. San Francisco. Mm. If the Eagles 
somehow lose his two touchdown favorites against the New York Giants and San Francisco wins, they would be the number one overall seed in the NFC. It's also a two touchdown spread in favor of the 49ers at home in Santa Clara against the Arizona Cardinals. So, Joe, is this spread an indication of motivation for the Niners trying to have any hope of the number one overall seed? Or is it simply, hey, San Francisco's won nine games. They are far more talented than a Cardinals team that has already packed up the bus for this season. Well, they are a far more talented team. Uh, Let's be realistic here. But I think Shanahan and company uh, realize they got a rookie quarterback uh, that is going to have to win a Super Bowl for you. And uh, it's important uh, that he gets reps. He gets the experience. Uh, This game is no different. I do not anticipate the 49ers taking their foot off the gas at all in this game here, not to mention how many points did the Raiders put up on that defense that was supposed to be nonstop? I don't think that's the way they want to remember uh, the end of this season. I think they make some adjustments defensively. I think they go out of their way to make a point and land on a winning note heading into the playoffs. The bye in all likelihood ain't going to happen for them which means they're going to be uh, hosting a playoff game here soon enough. Brock Party needs as many reps as possible. Expect them uh, to keep their foot on the gas throughout this game here. And if the favorites go this weekend, the seeds would look like San Francisco at two, Green Bay at seven, a rivalry we have seen in the postseason here, certainly the last three to four seasons. The Eagles are the favorites still, Joe, to win the NFC title plus 200 but San Francisco only 20 cents behind Joe as you look at the top of the NFC this a postseason market the playoffs start next weekend which team in the Mm -hmm. NFC do you have the most confidence in right now yeah so I uh it's interesting because I do think uh the Packers and the Giants are uh they're not going to be cakewalks for team uh, do like the 49ers. However, I'm I'm waiting for that Brock Purdy rookie moment. Um, and it, it, let's just hope it doesn't come this year. Maybe it'll just, he can push it off till next year. Don't trust the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks are hot garbage. The Vikings aren't winning this week much. They're going to go into the playoffs on a losing streak, which is hilarious. Uh, the Eagles, I, I think if the Eagles go in, handle their business, lock it up, uh, the Eagles, I do like, but I, I would look to the bottom half. I'd look for Packers, Giants, teams getting hot and accomplishing things late in the season that are rolling. Um, and call me crazy here. Uh, I think the Packers and the Giants are in a unique spot to uh, send the whole playoffs into a tizzy here and lose a lot of chalk players, an awful lot of money over the next couple of weeks. Chaos in the postseason on the NFC, maybe that is on the horizon. But Motivation Week 18 isn't just for the number one seed in either conference. It's also for the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Minnesota ends the year, Joe, against Chicago. As we laid out there, San Francisco is a 14-point favorite against Arizona. It's not very likely the Niners lose that game outright. The Vikings would need San Francisco to lose outright to jump the Niners and take the number two seed in the NFC. Right now, the Bears have the second worst record in the league and thus the second overall pick as we forecast the 2023 NFL draft. We also go to the Colts and the Texans because Houston currently has the worst record in the National Football League, but it's a short spread 
against the Indianapolis Colts. So maybe there's some motivation there for the number one overall pick forthcoming. Joe, how do you factor all of that into your regular season finale handicapping? Well, it's easy. Uh, I took the prop on demands in a tie. Uh, because I don't think either of these two teams are going to score a point. You're literally going to be watching a team not try to win on both sides. So you know what? Ends in a tie. It would be a fitting way for both of these teams to end the season. That's how the Texans we all win. started this season as well. Bryce Young, who declared for the NFL draft over the weekend or on Monday, is the odds-on favorite to go number one overall. Yep. But if Chicago picks first... They don't need a quarterback. Just keep that in mind. Joe, have fun on in-game live later tonight. Thank you for being here. More TMA next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are just five days away from the college football playoff national championship at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. It's the reigning national champs and the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, taking on the number three upstart TCU Horned Frogs. Helping us handicap and take an early look at the national title game, it is Mark Zinno. Mark, a happy new year to you. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday on the Morning After. Ben, it is always great to be with you. Unfortunately, we are on the final game of the college football season, so we will shed a small tear as this is the last time you and I will discuss college football for at least, you know, college football games for at least a couple of months. It is truly a bittersweet moment. It's the national title game, the time we've been waiting all year for to crown another national champ in 2022. Now, of course, in the calendar year of 2023, but it is the last college football game until late August and week zero rolls around last year Mark it was an all SEC showdown between Georgia and Alabama the Bulldogs prevail Kirby Smart gets past his former boss in Nick Saban finally and UGA wins its first national championship in over four decades now Georgia looks for its second consecutive national title and there's an SEC team in the national championship game and he's the mouth in the south it's time for his SEC picks. Bittersweet in more ways than one because that's the last time we'll see that phenomenal animation stinger as we talk a little SEC football with Mark Zinno this year in college football as well. So, Zinno, the early look ahead line before semifinal Saturday in the college football playoff on New Year's Eve just a few days back, Georgia was favored in a potential matchup against TCU by nearly three scores. It was 16 and a half in favor of the dogs. We see that sensational semifinal Saturday on New Year's Eve. Georgia holds on to beat Ohio State, rallying back in the fourth quarter, 42-41, a one-point victory, not covering as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. TCU pulls yet another upset, proving once again why the Horned Frogs are deserving of this opportunity, beating Michigan 51-45 outright as a seven-and-a-half-point dog. The line opens up for the national championship game. Georgia still favored by a large number, nearly two touchdowns, 13-and-a-half. And then yesterday... The line started to work even more in the way of the Horn Frogs. It was 12 and a half 
but that was pretty brief. Now it's back to 13 and a half in favor of the Georgia Bulldogs. So, Zeno, we have seen this line move back and forth now over the course of the past 24 hours. What does it signify to you about the national championship game? Well, it says the fact that TCU is getting a lot of respect from the betting public and a lot of respect from sharp bettors as well. I mean, you know, the fact that this was bet down initially tells people that 13 and a half points is too much. And it really feels like it is considering Georgia only led for a total of a minute and 49 seconds in their Peach Bowl game against Ohio State. But what was more surprising to me, Ben, was initially the total of this game that came out at 62, because that tells you more than anything, odds makers are believing in TCU and their ability to score points. 62 was the same total that Georgia and Ohio State had. Now, this is what we believe to be one of the best defenses in the country in Georgia being able to slow down anybody. Uh, and so they are giving a lot of respect to TCU and saying, look, they're going to be able to put up points in this game, despite the fact that Georgia's defense is really good. Why? Well, because they put up points against Michigan, who is a really good team. Now, in fairness, they got two pick sixes in that game, but still scoring 37 points against Michigan is no easy task to do. And with that, when I see that total where it is, if I'm in a shootout game, why would I not take the two touchdowns? Why would I not take the points right there? I mean, if odds makers are telling me that this game is going to get into the 60s or above or at least close to it, and both these teams are going to – Georgia's not going to win this thing 40-20. to 20. Like, that's not yeah. the way this thing gets to 60 here. Just because, If they do, it's because they control the entire tempo, the entire game, and you're talking about garbage points at the end of this thing that don't really matter. And I just – what's the reason we don't have to believe that TCU – who has been involved in one score game after one score game can't hang with anybody in the nation at this point. So, you know, it's a great point because often the old adage in handicapping is when you look at a big favorite for them to cover the number, they need a ton of points to have the opportunity to do so, which pushes us to an over. If an underdog is going to cover, keep the game close and competitive, it's a grinded out type fist fight and the game would stay under. It could be the complete opposite here. It means Georgia's defense lives up to the billing once again, limiting what Max Duggan and TCU do offensively. The game stays under, and Georgia wins something like 38-17 to cover this two-touchdown spread. We have a matchup in this national title game of two Heisman finalists, Stetson Bennett for Georgia and Max Duggan for TCU. Stetson Bennett, Mark, in that semifinal against Ohio State, threw for 398 yards in three touchdowns. He has been the biggest in the biggest games for UGA over the past two years. Duggan only 234 against Michigan, but did add in nearly 60 rushing yards and found Pater twice. So when you look at this quarterback comparison for the national championship game, which QB do you think has the edge? Well, it's interesting because you look at Georgia now, they may be staring in the mirror at a quarterback that is as almost equal to what Stetson Bennett is on several accounts. I mean, you give the edge to Stetson statistically in completion percentage and passing yards, but you give the edge to Max Duggan in passing touchdowns and rushing yards. Now, I love the prop here of a Max Duggan anytime touchdown, even though it's only plus 125. He's going to run for a touchdown in this game. If they get inside the 10, Max Duggan is taking off and getting in the end zone with his feet because he just knows he can do that, and we've seen him do it over and over again. But that's something I'm not sure Georgia's really prepared for. Now, you give credit to, to 
C.J. Stroud in that set national semifinal. He finally took off and started running, not something yeah. that we saw a lot of him from. The last time Georgia faced a quarterback like that was both last year's national final and in the, C and the uh, SEC championship game of Bryce Young, who likes to take off and run, and you see what sort of problems it presents for the Georgia defense. Georgia's very good on the perimeter. They're, they could be you know, described as maybe their weakness might be a little bit in the secondary, but that said – when you look at Max Duggan, him taking off and running is going to break down the Georgia defense in a lot of different ways, and that may be something they're not prepared for. And, and they are, like I said, they are definitely looking at a quarterback that mirrors what Stetson Bennett does game in and game out with his arm and his legs. So, Zeno, as we look at the matchup here between Georgia and TCU from the stat perspective, you mentioned it. This Georgia defense wasn't quite what last year's defense was, a dog's defense that led them to that first national championship in over 40 years. Five first-round draft picks from that defensive side of the football. But entering the SEC title game against LSU, Georgia still had the best-scoring defense in all of college football. They gave up 30 points, more than 500 in passing yards to the Bayou Bengals in that SEC championship game. They gave up 41 points and more than 340 passing yards against Ohio State on Saturday night in the college football playoff semifinal. So when you look at the stats here between the Horned Frogs and the Bulldogs, what do you think a key matchup is for the national title on Monday night? Well, they're certainly going to have to figure out how to slow down Quinton Johnson, who probably is a top 10 pick, at least by many projections, maybe one of the top two receivers taken off the board. After we, what we saw Marvin Harrison do in basically three plus or two plus quarters after the injury and the targeting or the non-targeting call, depending on who you ask, uh, you know, after that happened, you know, certainly he was slowed down a little bit. I, I think that's one. But you bring up an interesting point, Ben, and that's this. When Georgia's had to step up in class against offenses that are like legit offenses, both in LSU in the SEC title game and in the Peach Bowl semifinal, they gave up 30 and 41 points. There's an argument out there that Georgia's defense hasn't had to face an elite offense since Tennessee way back in the end of October. Now, again, that was also an offense that they shut down in that game, but they haven't really been pushed, and their defense hasn't been pushed – since then, unless you talk about the last two games where their defense gave up points. That's part of the reason why I believe oddsmakers believe TCU can score in this game. It's why I think I believe TCU can score in this game. It's why I'll play the over in this game because I don't know that Georgia's going to shut down this offense and keep them to under 24 points. And if they can get to 24, Ben, they can certainly get to 30. I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to. As long yeah. as TCU uses the game script where they are playing with a lead or only trailing by one score, they are going to be able to push offensively as much as they want. If they get into a situation where they become one-dimensional, which Georgia can be very good at, I'm not eliminating the fact that Georgia could shut down this offense the same way it did against Tennessee, but as long as the game script says that Georgia is within one score or TCU has a lead, TCU will have their way against this defense. And when I say that, I mean they'll be able to move the ball, get yards, flip the field when necessary, and then possibly play a little bit of field position. And you could argue, Zeno, that that Tennessee-Georgia game between the hedges in Athens where it was a torrential downpour for most of the second yep. half, not the best scoring conditions, even for the best scoring offense in the country, in the Volunteers. They also allowed 41 against a fully healthy Alabama with both Jamison Williams and John Mechie III in last year's SEC championship game. And we saw TCU get in front early against Michigan. They threw the first haymaker in that football game, led 21-3 to early in that opening half. So this is the last 
football game between the lines, you know, that will get to break down for the college football season. But we also always look at the future in college football. Michigan has won two consecutive Big Ten titles. Michigan has made it to two straight college football playoffs. And yet for the second consecutive offseason now for the Maize and Blue, it seems their head man, Jim Harbaugh, is interested in returning to the National Football League. There were some rumors that Harbaugh would go if a job was offered. Teams like the Indianapolis Colts, maybe the Denver Broncos, trying to resurrect Russell Wilson's career. And then yesterday, this update, that Jim Harbaugh has had a conversation already with the Panthers' owner and David Tepper. Now, there wasn't a formal job interview that happened, but just a conversation to maybe gauge some interest. So, Zeno, how much credence do you put into some of these rumors slash reports that Jim Harbaugh is interested in making the leap back to the NFL? Well, smart by Jim Harbaugh to talk to the NFL's one of the three or four richest owners there and a guy who gave out a seven-year contract to Matt Rule. So, you know, yeah. tip of the cap to him to at least starting there as far as who you're going to talk to. Very, very smart. You know, part of me believes that if Harbaugh had won a national title, he would jump to the NFL in a heartbeat. I still believe that he wants to do that at Michigan. You know, I mean, you're in that range where you're winning 10 games a year and you're going to the, the college football playoff. Like, you're right there. Uh, and, and when you get a team like Georgia that may have to flip the script a little bit if Fletcher Bennett stops playing college football at some point ever, uh, you know, and you start getting different quarterbacks and different teams in the whole mix, yeah. he may get the right matchup that gets him there. I, I truly believe he wants to win there, but – you know, money talks, and Jim Harbaugh knows this as a quarterback and a backup quarterback. You're always the most popular guy in town uh, when you're when you're not in the position that many people want you to be in. So I think he's taking advantage of that. And I don't think it's about money, truly. I don't think he's trying to get more money at Michigan. I don't think he needs more money at no. Michigan. I think he's plenty content with the contract that he has. I mean, sure, if Michigan's going to pony up some more dough to keep him there, he's not going to say no. But still, you know, this is a spot for Jim Harbaugh where he has carte blanche. He can go to a situation in yeah. the NFL where he gets exactly what he wants. He gets the quarterback that he wants, the owner that he wants, the, the, the you know, the stadium, the facilities, that he, all, all that stuff that he wants. He gets to choose, and not many people are in that scenario. It's like I always say, Ben, when you have leverage in life, you leverage hard, and Harbaugh's got a lot of leverage. And he's one of very few head coaches in the sport of football that have made the leap successfully from college to the NFL, leaving Stanford, going to San Francisco. They were 44-19-1 in his four seasons with the Niners, of course, appearing against his brother John in the 2012 Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens. There was some interest potentially for Harbaugh to be the new head man in Minnesota last year, that for the Vikings, and then a job offer never came to fruition. Mark Zeno, the mouth in the south. Breaking down the national championship game for one final time. Thank you very much for your time here on a Wednesday on the morning app. More of the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. round out this opening hour live on a Wednesday on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, all across the Sports Grid network. I am Ben Stevens. As of right now, week number 18 in the National Football League is on as scheduled. In week 17, for the second consecutive year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the NFC South. They knocked off the Carolina Panthers. Tom Brady in the Bucs, the number four seed in the NFC postseason, which means that Tom and Tampa will host a playoff game 
two weekends from now when the postseason begins. Will they have some success? A quarterback that has, of course, won seven Super Bowls and has 35 postseason victories to his name. That was the question we asked you in Fade the Public. So here in 2022, now in the calendar year, of course, of 2023, will Tom Brady and the Buccaneers win a playoff game? That was the question at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. Two options for you, yes or no. Most of the public saying no. 59% of the public, in fact, saying no just because the Bucs clinched the division for the second straight year, just because a Tom Brady-led football team when he has been the quarterback the majority of the season is into the postseason now consecutively since 2002, and it's his 19th divisional title in his 23-year NFL career. No, it does not mean the Buccaneers are going to win a football game. Have you seen Tampa this year? Well, just follow me here. Let's assume most things go chalk this regular season finale weekend in the NFL. Maybe the Eagles don't cover as a two-touchdown favorite against the Giants, but they win. They wrap up the East and the NFC's number one overall seed. The Niners hold on to the second spot, the Vikings at three, and the divisional winner in Tampa Bay at number four. That means the Cowboys would be the highest-seeded wildcard team at five. Dallas would visit Tampa Bay. They have played each other to open up each of the last two regular seasons. Tampa Bay, a perfect 2-0. What would that spread be? Four and a half? Five and a half in favor of the Cowboys? Maybe an upset for Tom Brady and the Bucs. Hour two, up next.